Brag. And this is Humble Brag. And we don't like to brag, but... We get around. And a short disclaimer, uh, maybe this might be for sensitive ears, maybe not. Hey, it's up to your discretion. Also, there might be some adult language in here. <laughs> Isn't that what I said? <laughs> so today's episode is all about Matthew's birthday. Woohoo! It's my birthday! And we're definitely not doing any of these in any kind of order and actually on our actual birthdays because yes. that's how we roll. Yeah, disclaimer, it's not my birthday, so don't send me gifts or birthday emails unless you just feel like that because I accept them completely <laughs> even when it's not my birthday. <laughs> so we had a nice long weekend of it and it ended up spanning over two weekends because we had to reschedule something and this was something that I tried to keep as a surprise and it drove me up a wall not being able to tell you what the surprise was and it took a lot of planning. So uh, let's see we started off breakfast at the Glass Knife. We did which is one of our favorite restaurants here in Orlando for breakfast and lunch. Um, sort of a miraculous little find. We thought it was just a bakery, um, but it is not. If you're in the Orlando area and you're looking for somewhere to do brunch, highly recommend it. Best uh, brunch ever. Yes. Their avocado toast is to die for. <laughs> we sound so hipster. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I know. Very, very good restaurant, and I love eating there, so it was a perfect start to my, my day. Um, I don't remember what I had. Not important. Probably avocado toast. <laughs> Do you remember where we went after that? Oh, so just to mention, I themed this entire weekend for him, for his birthday. I was very determined. <laughs> if I remember correctly, after that, we started driving directly, mm -hmm. right? Um, and our first stop was directly to the Winter Haven Airport, right? The, yeah, the museum. Yeah. Uh, or no, sorry, that's not in Winter Haven. I don't know exactly where Fantasy of Flight is. It used to be an air. It used to be an airport. It used to be an airstrip, but now it's a museum of really cool planes. Um, so definitely very cool stuff from the early days of flight all the way up through World War One, World War Two, the jet age um, to modern stuff. It used to be bigger. It's smaller right now because they're. I think they said they're doing some renovations on the bigger space. Mm -hmm. Um, and they have some of the collection out on the tarmac as well, but uh, absolutely loved it. Uh, I'm always a kid in a candy store when it comes to any sort of museum of flight. The Air and Space Museum, the Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio, it doesn't matter. That's You could lose me for days in a place like that. <laughs> so I was over the moon that you took me there. Um, I was also really interested to see what kind of planes you were interested in. You know, it's sort of a it's always fun to when you have a, an interest or a, a, a passion to see how your significant other or someone you care about relates to that passion. So I like seeing you. If I remember correctly, you're a big World War One plane enthusiast. Well, I also like the like first flight uh, planes that they had there, and like I think they had the one replica of the one that uh, Arnold and his brother flew on. Mm -hmm. Um, like those just because they look very steampunky and they're very unusual looking and dangerous and scary and fascinating and look more like flying boats than they do airplanes of, of what we know it and you wandering around with me uh, in the whole place I had my own tour guide to tell me what each plane was and 
Uh, oh, he rode in the one cockpit. Oh, yeah, the one that got my butt wet. Yeah, <laughs> we took lots of pictures, and then you realized you sat in something damp. Someone had spilled their water bottle in the pilot seat, and I sat in it. <laughs> but it's okay, because it, uh, it was a Viking anyway, and they're a, an anti-submarine aircraft, so <laughs> it's fitting somehow. Uh, and everybody there was really nice. Uh, they, uh, I want to see, he's usually the tour guide. Um at the ticket booth was telling us all about uh, the one of the Rosie the Riveter type esque women who used to date her and yeah. told us all about the their romance and everything. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, you had a bit of a fifties thing going that day with your outfit. Yeah, so I think he, if I remember correctly, he keyed in on that, and and that's where the Rosie the Riveter story came from. And I think he hit on me, so it was very uh oh okay, it was welcome, it was interesting. He did in that adorable old man way. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's not the creepy old man no. way. It was the adorable old man way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I loved that. And I loved uh, getting to share that with you and, and walk around and see these planes and just marvel at them. It's, you know, the engineer in me and the little kid in me come together. And I was always obsessed with aircraft and flying. And my dad was a big fan too. So it's, it's something that we shared and we built models and he shared with me and he taught me and I, I loved it, adored it. So that was a that was a great way to start the birthday off. What was your favorite plane at the museum? Ooh, they had a B-26 there. Normally, um, World War II is not huge for me. Like, it's I, I really like World War II, but it's not my, my, the jet age is generally my favorite, but I got a, a big soft spot for the B-26. Um, General Doolittle flying those off of aircraft carriers to raid Tokyo in the early stages of the war in the Pacific, like standing there and seeing how big it was and being like, "Oh, he got that off an aircraft carrier! Holy <laughs> crap!" In a, in the time before the catapult, with the aircraft carriers had catapults, like that's that's definitely a moment. Yeah, shout out to uh, stuff you missed in history class. Holly and Tracy they do a really great episode on on Doolittle and his plane and the very bizarre life that that man had and adventures. They do. They do. Check that out. Theo, do you remember where we went for lunch after that? Because we actually spent a pretty good time, like, a amount of time in the museum. We did. Um, lunch, we went to the back porch, which is in Lake Alford. Alford um, and it is, I it's the most amazing, adorable little country restaurant I've ever seen. Like, I'll let you explain the concept. <laughs> you found it, and uh, wow. I tried to find an airplane-themed restaurant for the day, but there aren't any anywhere near us except for in Disney Springs, and that would have been a really far hike back, far away from where I wanted to go, and it wasn't quite, like, it was airplane-themed, but it really didn't have a lot of... I don't know, airplane-esque stuff enough for me, and a lot of back and forth. So I wanted something fun, and I ran across this lovely little place that was like part antique barn, part long porch in the middle of the woods, part farmhouse, um, that their shtick was they bring you a picnic lunch. And you pick the stuff off the menu that you want, and it comes in a little basket, and you eat all the stuff, and you just you chill out on the porch. And it was so adorable. They had a bunch of, like, wrought iron chairs, and the place was fascinating looking. They had a really cool, like, uh, bar thing out the back and everything. So what was your impression of the whole place? 
I loved it. I loved that the even the indoor space, like we ate indoors that day because I remember it was a little bit chilly and windy and overcast, which is why we didn't do. At the time, I didn't realize there was a more. I knew there was a morning activity that had been canceled. I didn't know what it was yet. Um, but that was why we didn't do morning activity. was weather-related. Um, and even the indoor space looked like outdoors. Um, it was super adorable. And like you said, the wrought iron like um, patio furniture for all the tables. Um, absolutely crazy good food. Like the, pis- the picnic basket was was adorable and it really was it was like a little little picnic basket and they brought it to your table with your order in there and you had what like a sandwich each and a side order each and a dessert each and your drink and it was such a delightful concept and such a wonderful place to to eat and if if the weather's beautiful bunny was right that there's an enormous outdoor back porch befitting a place called the back porch (laughs) that overlooks a a small creek or a little river or something like that or pond um, and there's a bar out the back serving adult beverages, and it's really lovely. They had wonderful tea. I remember oh, the iced tea yes. was so good. Oh my gosh, I went back for seconds, thirds, and fourths, and I was surprised how good the food actually was. Like I was expecting, you know, ah, picnic lunch, har har, but you know, it's it's what do you get with a picnic lunch? But it was delicious. It was so good. I just thought it was so cute too. It wasn't what I was expecting, and it was delightful. It really was. It really was. Um, and afterwards, so much to do there. Yeah. We were there for a couple more hours after we finished eating. Well, the little antique shops and stuff. Yeah, it's like a, it's like four different antique stores. Plus, there's normally, it wasn't open that day, but there's normally like an auction house as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and they had that huge, the huge yard with every like outdoor thing you could possibly think of. Lawn sculptures, flags, whatever you might want bird baths <laughs> those gazing balls everything arches arches many mm-hmm. arches um and I think after that we actually headed home to get changed yes yes we did and did i tell you beforehand where we were heading next or did i like wait until we got there you did not tell me you waited till we got there because <laughs> i like surprises yes that's what i asked for the difference between Matthew and I is he loves surprises. He doesn't like to know. And I am bad at giving surprises and receiving surprises. So I have so much trouble keeping surprises to myself. And it drives me up a wall when I have to give him a gift and I can't give it to him immediately. <laughs> Which makes the gift in a way even more touching because I know that it's so... <laughs> I have no idea where we're going. Uh, we went to uh, iDrive. Um, parked in the usual parking garage where we go and walked up and we walked up to the iFly and I said this is where we're going and I think you made a noise <laughs> I did I uh, I think I might have made a little squeeing sound because it's something I definitely always wanted to do I have almost no interest in jumping out of an airplane and skydiving but I have always wanted to do one of the like self-contained on the ground skydiving experiences like the i guess what do they call it indoor skydiving indoor skydiving thank you i don't know why the words that just flew out of my head (laughs) um indoor skydiving so amazing so the whole concept of this place is basically you get to quote unquote skydive indoors you're in this wind tunnel that just forces an enormous amount of air up through these vents 
um, and there's an instructor inside trying to show you how to do things and hold on to you and like move you up and down and side to side and you're for lack of a better word, weightless, <laughs> like you're blown up in the air like a bird. Um, and you just have to maneuver your body in certain ways to fly. Yeah, it's it's cool as hell. Like they, they take your side when it's your time and they give you like the same, well, basically the same like flight suit, jumpsuit that you would wear skydiving with a little helmet, which you look kind of dorky in, but you wonder if you pay extra, you can get the cool looking helmet. <laughs> I did not pay extra and get a cool looking helmet. Um, and you get a quick instruction. Um, you know what? You watch a safety video. They give you a little bit of on the ground instruction. And then you go and you sit with your group and you wait your turn to get into what is a giant vertical wind tunnel with like, like imagine taking a fan and laying it on his back and then standing on the grate of the fan. And having it blow hard enough that it will lift you off the ground and you can float there um, in that same, you know, arched back, arms and legs out position that you always see skydivers in. It's so cool. What was your impression when you saw the, like, the whole safety video and how-to video? Was it daunting? Was it scary? Was it just like, this is going to be so easy? Okay, first of all, the guy that we had was, like... California surfer type dude um very laid back the video the instruction that he gave made it seem like this was going to be the easiest thing you have ever done in your life like no problem everyone can do it easy as pie he's going to get you through it you're gonna you're going to have a good time like he makes it clear you're going to have a good time <laughs> and I was like all right let's do this and so I'm still a little nervous because I don't like sucking at stuff <laughs> like I don't like not being good at things. Um so I was a little nervous about that. But I was actually like the second to last person from our group to go. So I had the benefit of watching a whole bunch of people go before me. And mostly your entire group was all kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was only like one other adult in your group. No, I think there was there was a couple. There were like there That's was right. there were like three kids and their parents and then a kid and then me. I was uh, outside most of the time watching the instructors having fun inside of the wind tunnel and doing tricks and flips and flying and diving and spinning off of each other and doing all these crazy acrobatics like walking on air and doing flips. It was it was insane. They made it look so easy and like just the frustration sometimes of the one instructor trying to do the one trick and she's not getting it. She's just getting frustrated and like, it was fun to watch. Uh, we probably should mention that this giant vertical wind tunnel is completely clear. Yeah. So you can you can be sitting outside watching the people inside. Like, you're not in there by yourself in, like, this claustrophobic walled-in area. You're in a, a clear tube um, of, you know, glass walls that, that everyone can watch you. Including the one I was in is actually the one at the front entrance of the building. So people fun. walking by on the street on the can watch you do it, too. Which, I mean, is fine with me because I, like... You know, being the center of attention. <laughs> Everybody can see me. So you were sitting there almost like second to last and watching all of the little kids go in first. So what was your impression of them trying out their tricks? Um, The little kids kind of killed it. Like, they did pretty good. And so I had this, like, I was kind of torn as I'm sitting there because I'm going, well, I mean, these kids can do it. Like... <laughs> anyone should be able to do this like it should be able to be this should be pretty easy and then my next thought was well 
sometimes stuff's a lot easier for kids because they're more flexible and they don't have fear and they don't, and so then that that started to creep in like oh crap maybe I'm not gonna be able to do this. Um, but then like one of the other adults went and they seemed to do pretty good. Um, and then before I knew it, it was my turn. <laughs> and uh, they have you stand in the doorway. You can hear the fan going. And oh, I should mention that they teach you a whole bunch of hand signals. Because once you're in that wind tunnel, it's like skydiving. You can't hear anything. I, it's loud from the outside, so I can't imagine how loud it was from the inside. Like, it's it was roaring from, like, behind glass. Did it's they... not a roaring sound inside. It's wind blowing past your ears so fast that you can't hear. Okay. Like it's So it's not like this loud, growling, roaring mechanical noise. It's just wind. Oh. Really loud wind. Um, plus you have the helmet on too. Does that obscure your ears? Yeah. Um, so they had taught us hand signals for like, arch your back more, like bring your legs in, bring your legs out, bring your hands in, bring your hands out, like all these hand signals to teach us how to adjust our body in quote unquote flight so that the instructor could like help us level out and stay steady. <laughs> Cause that's the ideal goal. Like initially the first goal is just don't move. <laughs> like get yourself to a position where you are just literally floating on a column of air, not moving forward, backwards, rotating, anything like that. Like that's the goal. Um, so you stand in the door and you just literally let yourself fall forward Ooh. and the air catches you and lifts you up like four or five feet off the ground. And you got to keep your back arched and your head up. Like don't look down at the ground. Like if you desperately want to look down at the ground because you want to look at the fact that you're flying. Like, that is your first instinct is to look down and be like, oh, my God, I'm flying. And, but you can't because as soon as you drop your head, like, you start rotating and tumbling and it goes horribly, horribly awry. Um, so I remember doing okay. It's it's tricky, particularly, I think, for an adult keeping your back arched that much and your legs, like, staying. You got to keep your back arched but stay relaxed. Like, it's, it's, it seems like a bunch of contradictory um, type of, of commands. But... Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You drool all over yourself. Oh, gross. Like, just copious <laughs> amounts of drool. Like, you try to keep your mouth closed, but it doesn't really matter because it's, like, flapping your mouth, <laughs> like, blah, 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 and, like, just drool <laughs> all up the sides of your face. So just a warning to people who don't like drool, you will drool. Um, but, yeah, it's so fun. It's It's such an incredible feeling. It is really, like, being weightless. Like, you just... And he's always got his hand on you, like, at least when you're, until you're steady. The instructor has a hand on you, like, gently guiding, controlling, keeping you from get to getting totally out of control. If you start to drift too close to the wall, he brings you back. And at the same time, there's a guy controlling the fan, watching you, adjusting the, the strength of the, the power of the fan, trying to keep you, help you hovering. So it's it's really, it's great. And all you got to do is pay attention to his hands, and if he tells you to relax, you relax. He tells you to bring your feet out or in, like... And I felt like by the first, you get, um, what was it, two, I think two minute flights? I bought three. you a full, um, it's almost five minute, I think. I bought you a long one. I know that. Like, there were, like, increments that you could do. I, I think, wasn't it, like, two 30-second flights and a full two minute was your last one? I think so. And also, like, there was a special thing in there where they take you up, too. Like, I think that was, yeah, the, the longer increments and the, the up thing. Yeah, you got me. You bought me the high fly. Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> And from the outside, it looked like you were doing great. Like, it looked very, eff you made it look effortless, at least as far as, like, 
him not having to keep you from careening or spinning or anything like that and you followed his instructions pretty fast um when he took you up for the high fly what the hell was that like because i was terrified i was crazy so the the actual wind tunnel vertical wind tunnel is like 30 feet high um before you hit a ceiling and uh the high fly they like zip you like he grabs hold of you and doesn't let go of you and they crank the the wind tunnel up and they fly you up to like 20 feet up off the ground and kind of drop you down and fly you up and it's it's it's, again it's like being weightless it's like being in a space movie it's it was really really massively cool (laughs) i take it you enjoyed it very much so i was terrified the entire time watching you i was just like i i am a afraid of not heights but depths i can look up at tall buildings all day it's uh looking down from those tall buildings i have issues with (laughs) well i will go ahead and add and this is not meant to discourage anyone from trying this but the floor Mm. is just bars to let the air come through and you can see that you can't see the fan because the fan is somewhere off laterally and it blows in and then makes a 90 degree angle and comes up at the the floor but you can see another like 10 to 15 feet down past the bars. Nope. So even when you're just floating there, you, it kind of looks like you're like 20 feet off the ground. And then when they take you way up 20 feet, you look like you're like 40 feet off the ground. When you were going up and down, did it feel like that weird weightless drop you get when you do a roller coaster? No, it felt like a much more controlled, like just being weightless. It wasn't that that stomach flip-floppy thing. It was like a sustained... Yeah, because there was no flip-floppy weightlessness that like you you always had one g of gravity pulling down on you huh. so you just felt like you were floating it didn't have that sudden dropping feeling even though you did sudden drop yeah there was no real falling sensation to it at all ever that's fascinating yeah it was very cool <laughs> so uh what were your main impressions of the overall experience of Ermagerd and flying Ermagerd and flying was pretty <laughs> much your main impression. Like once you have, I recommend what Bunny did. I recommend getting the longer flights, getting more flights because your first one, you will not relax at all. You're so focused on doing exactly what he tells you to do and keeping your body in the right position and that you don't, you don't relax. Your second one, you will relax and screw up, um, <laughs> but you will enjoy the screwing up. Um, and you will enjoy the flight more. So yeah, it's it's very very cool, very very fun. Um, I for the life of me, I feel terrible. I cannot remember where we went to dinner after that because the only thing that sticks in my mind is the whole eye flight experience. Well, that's amazing and fantastic, and we're gonna go to a commercial break and talk about it. <laughs> okay, so do you remember where we had dinner? course i remember where we had dinner and we will uh we'll be back after these stuff and these things <laughs> and we are back from that stuff and those things i like stuff and things and somebody was stalling weren't they <laughs> i was <laughs> i had no idea where we had dinner that night <laughs> i think both of us were just so overwhelmed from the whole iFly thing but now i'm kind of kicking myself that i didn't remember because this was also something that 
I planned the dinner around and the after dinner stuff because of stuff that you like. You did. And good thing we take lots of pictures. <laughs> Absolutely. We ended up going back through the camera roll in my phone <laughs> and finding the pictures from that day. <laughs> Which, honestly, we should have done earlier. But, hey, we are human beings and we forget things. Also, we were both pretty certain we remembered where we had dinner. <laughs> but, we then, didn't. but then we forgot. Um, so we ended up at a really wonderful place called Tennessee Truffle. And the food was so amazing and i really really want to share what i had i know it's your birthday but it's something that i was really surprised at because i don't like grits and i decided i'm gonna just give this another try and ordered shrimp and grits and it was just oh my god so good and it was what do you call them hominy grits um the coarse ground grits and oh the shrimp so good do you remember what you had? Because I remember what you had. I remember what I had. Um, <laughs> Tennessee Truffle is in Sanford, Florida, yes. which is a little north of Orlando. Um, they're this marvelous little southern comfort food place. And I had, without exaggerating, the best catfish I have ever had in my life. Like, just melted in your mouth, flavorful, light, perfect catfish. And I believe I had Miami Weiss here for the first time, right? The Hefeweizen yes. Hefe called Miami Weiss. It comes in the, like, 1980s colored can. You look like you stepped out of, yeah, Miami Vice while you're drinking it, because that's the point. <laughs> but that was marvelous. And I know we had dessert, and I can't remember what it was. Um, uh, did we have dessert there, or did we wait until afterwards? I'm pretty sure we had dessert there. But I think it was, like, an apple cobbler or something like that. It was something very southern. The banana bread. Yes. Banana bread it. with the ice cream. That was it. That Thank was you. so good, too. Yes. Now that I remember. Um, and then after the oh-so-very-delicious food. I mean, to die for food. <laughs> we wandered to a bar, but the reason we were going to said bar was because it had a speakeasy, sort of. <laughs> so my first impression walking up to this place, is it looks like your typical, like, roadhouse bar. Like, it was clearly used to be a mechanic shop, you know, like the garage doors and everything. Um, and it just looks like, to be honest, kind of a boring bar. Like, just draw a bar. <laughs> this is what it looks like. But if you round a certain corner, there's a little hallway that doesn't go anywhere. Except for a guy standing at a podium. Wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And when you go up to him and tell him you're looking for the Tiki Lounge, he slides open the wall next to him and lets you into a speakeasy-style 1950s Tiki Lounge. And it is one of the top five coolest places I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> like, if... Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room served alcohol. This would be the place. <laughs> like, it's just, I mean, what was your first impression when you went in? I actually was surprised that it was so jam-packed with decorations. And they had skulls holding lights, so I was enamored immediately. Yeah, like severed head skulls were the light fixtures over the bar. And it's super dim in there, you know, like, just like you, ex you picture a seedy little 
tiki bar being like subdued orange lighting and volcanoes and the in the paintings on the walls and tiki masks everywhere and palm fronds and bartenders in Hawaiian shirts and it just it was it was amazing. <laughs> Uh, so we sat down and opened up the menu, and the menu had a rating system. Yes. First of all, all of the drinks are rum drinks. Uh, do not go in there and try to order something with whiskey in it. <laughs> it is a true tiki bar. They serve nothing but rum. Uh, they have every kind of rum you can possibly imagine, but they have nothing but rum. And the drinks, the mixed drinks, all have a rating scale of one tiki head to four tiki heads. And it very clearly states that they will not serve you more than two Four tiki head drinks in a night. <laughs> I assume having, of course, ordered a four tiki head drink because, I mean, you have to. My assumption is the reason they will not serve you two of those is because it's probably not healthy to drink that much jet fuel. <laughs> that is the strongest drink I've ever been served in public. I, on the other hand, asked them to make me something delightful and non-alcoholic since I was the one driving, and they did not disappoint. We actually uh, sort of did a version of the drink that they served because I asked the bartender what he uh, made. We actually did a rendition of it uh, for our wedding. Um, but that is a different story. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it had uh, Coca-Cola, um, coconut milk in it it had cinnamon in it and ginger juice and i'm missing an ingredient i know that there was one more ingredient and i can't remember the what it ginger was. juice and the coconut syrup lime 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 it. it was all mixed up and it was absolutely delicious and it tasted like it had alcohol in it it did it tasted like it had bones in yeah like the uh, the ginger gives it a little bit of an alcoholic bite um and it was it was every bit as good as mine. Like, I, I should say that mine was as strong as Jet Fuel, <laughs> but was an absolutely scrumptious drink. I could have, I, the reason they don't, won't give you more than two of those is you, you could drink them all night long. It, it's not overwhelming. It's not like doing shots of Jägermeister where you're like, ah, I'm going to have two of these and I never want to drink ever again. Like, it was a delicious drink. It was just, you had a sip and it hit you like a sledgehammer. Like, it was... <laughs> knew there was alcohol in it from the moment you started drinking it. I don't want you to guess. Yeah. Um, but it was it was wonderful in there, and it was quiet, and it was tiki, you know, bossa nova music playing in the background, and, and it was literally my, my happy place. Like, that's where I go in my mind at times when I'm frustrated, is that little that little tiki room in that ring-a-dink bar. Um, and we would give you details on that one, but part of the fun is finding it. So all you know is it's walking distance from the Tennessee Truffle, in Sanford, Florida. <laughs> in another bar. So that wasn't quite the end of our evening, but we went home and had our own fun. <laughs> Indeed. As adults do. <laughs> so part of your whole big birthday thing, I had to wait on part of it. And it had to be scheduled for another weekend because of the weather. And while I was disappointed, uh, I think Matthew thought it was worth the wait. Although I did end up having to tell him because I had to make sure that we could schedule that weekend around your work and you weren't shooting that weekend. Correct. So? So the next weekend, 
We'll pile back in the car, drive back out to near the back porch restaurant, this time going to Winter Haven. Um, this time actually going to the Winter Haven airport. And um, Bunny had bought me a flying lesson in a Piper Cub. Um, it's, uh, I believe it's called Preston. Was it Preston Aviation? Aviation? Yes, Preston Aviation. Tim at Preston Aviation, phenomenal pilot, super friendly guy. He and his wife run the place. They're wonderful. They have a, a Stearman biplane and a Piper Cub. Um, I can't tell you which one to pick, but if you don't pick the Piper Cub, you're wrong. <laughs> um, it was wonderful. I, I've never flown in a small airplane. I've flown in like jet liners. I've never flown in anything smaller than an airliner. Um, something I've always wanted to do. Um, the Piper Cub is phenomenally safe. Uh, and in fact, later on while we were flying, uh, Tim would tell me that they're actually ridiculously difficult to crash because even when you cut the engine, they're so light and so well designed that they just want to glide forever anyway. Um, so it was wonderful. We uh, talked to the pilot for a little bit. He take, took us out onto the runway, walked me around the plane, had me help him with the pre-flight checks, you know, just looking the plane over and everything, telling me a little about the history of the Piper Cub, which coincidentally I already knew because... When Bunny planned this day for me, she wasn't even aware that uh, ages ago I had read a book called Flight of Passage, in which two young boys, um, and I believe it was in the 1950s, rebuilt a Piper Club together. This was like a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old brothers, and then flew it all the way across the country. And this is one of my favorite novels that I, or it's not even a novel, it's a nonfiction story. One of my favorite nonfiction stories of all time. And... Um, so the fact that I was going to be in a Piper Cub um, was amazing to me. And while he's telling me the history of the, the Piper Cub, I mentioned that I had read this book. And he goes, oh, yeah, I know Rinker, who is the author and, and one of the two boys. from the, He's like, oh, yeah, I know Rinker. We were, we were part of a, a, a Piper Cub club. He used to come down here and, and fly down here in, in our Pipers. And I was like, wait. You not only do you know the book that I'm talking about, you you know the guy who wrote the book. Like this was even cooler. Like this was this blew my mind and and just delightful because no one knows about that book, and um, made the day even more special and even more incredible. And so we did the pre-flight check and you climb in and as the the instructee slash person who does not know to fly, you actually get to sit in the front. Um, people don't realize that in in two seater trainer planes, um, the instructor always flies in the back. So I'm up in there and my feet are on the rudder pedals and my hands on the, the stick between us. And um, he explains to me to go ahead and keep my, my hands and feet on the controls, just, you know, feel for his input because his controls move my controls. And we uh, start the engine up and, and it's quieter than a lawnmower. I am not <laughs> exaggerating. This is not a loud airplane. This is a very quiet airplane. Um, very small airplane. Your shoulders are touching either side of the plane when you're inside. And the entire right side of the plane can be opened. It's not a window. It's like the whole wall fall, folds down all the way down to where your butt is on the seat practically. And it's amazing. And he left it open. He asked me if I wanted to close it, but I said no. He left it open and we took off. And... Before you know it, you're flying and people look like ants and cars on I-4 are teeny tiny little things. And we're flying along I-4 heading north. We chased after you in a golf cart. Oh, I did not realize <laughs> While that. While you were taxiing and then that. going up. 
That was you and his wife? Yeah, like we chased after you in a golf cart so I could get you taking off. So we have the video of you taking off. Lovely. Which they sent us. Yeah. And um, it's funny because most of the cars on I-4 are going faster than you are. You're <laughs> flying at a ground speed of about 75 miles an hour in this thing. It is not a fast plane. But once you get airborne, it's even more quiet because there's no echo of the engine coming off the, the pavement. And it's... Oh, it's so peaceful. It's nothing like flying in a in a jet. It's it's just you're just up there and it's quiet and you can stick your hand out the side anytime you want <laughs> and the air is cool and oh, it's just it's breathtaking and amazing and he let me do some turns and and just experience what the plane felt like underneath me and um Flew me out to where um, the Ringling Brothers uh, retired elephants live. Ah, uh, yeah, the elephant sanctuary. Yeah, there's a an elephant sanctuary just outside of, I guess, Winter Haven or Kissimmee. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very private. They don't really do any tours or anything. They do, um, but you actually have to make reservations. Okay. Uh, and it's where these, I guess there's like 70 to 100 elephants that used to be circus performers just live in this gorgeous preserve now. Where they're all happy and you could see these little teeny tiny elephants because we were way up there and I was like, Whoa, that's an elephant? He's like, Yeah, those are elephants. I was like, Oh, we're, we're quite a bit up there. <laughs> um Yeah, it was it was incredible. It was so incredible that I never thought to take my phone out and take a picture. Like once we started flying. Like it just you wanted to experience every moment of that. And it was you're connected to the plane. You're sitting there in this plane that that is literally aluminum and wood and canvas and every vibration of the engine you feel through the seat every change in pitch of the engine you hear and you feel and you feel so connected it feels so safe to be honest like I know that that sounds weird it and it does. sounds like it would be like really rinky and you think about a car being like that you're like oh is this going to fall apart underneath me but for some reason that plane just felt like it wanted to be up in the sky and it, it felt like that was where it was really meant to be, not on the ground. Um, and it was amazing. I loved it. I loved it every day. <laughs> it was over far too soon. Um, and Tim is a wonderful instructor and a wonderful tour guide. Um, you know, knew when to, to give me trivia and talk to me and knew when to just sometimes be quiet and let me enjoy seeing what was out there. It was a pleasure flying with him. Highly recommend Preston Aviation. If you want to go up in a small plane, they will take you up. You will have the time of your life. They you will want to do it again. Both really nice and just very delightful people. And uh, he, his wife kept me occupied the whole time we were on the ground because you were up there for a half an hour. Yeah. It was it was a lovely, lovely time. Oh, and she took lots of pictures uh, of the plane while we were taxiing off. And I had, you know, cell phone video too. And she also took video and we got all the pictures and everything from from them very shortly after so oh. it was at least from me wanting to give you that whole experience it was delightful for my end that we got all of that out of it and it was not terribly expensive either that's that makes it even better but it was it was whatever it was it was worth it <laughs> i can tell you that whatever it cost because it was it was up there in my top experiences of my life you were over the moon when you landed like absolutely over the moon well, it was incredible. Um, landing is amazing because they literally turn the engine off ah. because there's no point. Like that, that plane wants to stay in the air so much that if the engine is turning, it's going to stay in the air. <laughs> um, 
and so you glide in and you land and it's I learned an interesting fact you always see in movies from World War II um, pilots on takeoff um, swerving their plane back and forth as they're taxiing on the runway in these big sweeping S curves before they they accelerate and um, that's because a lot of World War II airplanes like the Piper Cub are tail draggers meaning they have two tall front wheels that keep the propeller from hitting the ground but then they lean back on a small wheel that's at the base so that the plane is tipped back so you can't see out the front of the cockpit so they're trying to see so over the... swerving back and forth they're looking out the right side of the plane and then they're looking out the left side of the plane and then they're looking out the right side of the plane so they can see what's in front of them until they get to where they can just throttle up and go straight ahead and take off oh my goodness that's um, terrible and then as soon funny. as you take as soon as you get up to speed the the tail lifts itself up off the ground and levels the plane out and then you can see out the front oh that's funny but i uh, that was a new fact that i did not know i had always wondered why that was <laughs> so yeah so that was that was the, the final bit of the birthday and it was amazing <laughs> i was about to ask you what was your your rating of that and your thoughts about that other than you know amazing best birthday ever <laughs> thank you you put so many things together that were that were matthew and gave me some experiences that I will never, ever forget. I'm going to have a very difficult time trying to top this for your 40th. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> of course, I, I'm never going to be able to top your 40th ever, so I know what you feel like. <laughs> well, you've got uh, a couple of years until my 50th, so. Yeah, i got 10 years. <laughs> so, you've got a lot of time to think. I only have a year. Yeah, true. So, I, I better get on it. <laughs> Um, so with that, I think we're going to wrap this episode up. I hope you enjoyed listening to us again. Uh, once again, we are Humble Brag, and we don't like to brag. So we get around. <laughs>